already, I've got an idea. If you don't accuse Red of anything for 24 hours, maybe that will help break the habit. Like Freddy? <laughs> Not accuse Red for 24 hours? That'll never happen. A big hello to all you mystery solvers out there, and welcome to Heavy Metal, a podcast about Scooby-Doo. I'm your host, Ethan Brundine, and each week, myself and a guest will take you through a mystery from somewhere in the vast history of the greatest cartoon of all time. My guest this week is Maggie Grossman, and the episode she picked is from A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, the first episode of Season 3. And it's split up into two parts. It's Night of the Boogie Biker and Dawn of the Spooky Shuttle Scare. Maggie, welcome to the show. Hi, Ethan. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on my silly podcast about Scooby-Doo. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, what in what drew you to select the episode that you did? Uh, well, I... Uh told my brother today that I was going to be recording a podcast about Scooby-Doo and he immediately said it's going to be a pup named Scooby-Doo right without any prompting uh so pup named Scooby-Doo is 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 obviously my favorite Scooby-Doo genre although we did love all types of Scooby-Doo in my household um we we taped episodes of Scooby-Doo off TV and and watched them uh, on road trips. Uh, we rented Scooby-Doo videos uh, from the video store, um, and uh, but but pup named Scooby-Doo was always was always our our favorite, hands down. Uh, there was just something about it that that we that we loved. And uh, this episode, I probably think about uh, every month for one reason or another. It always comes up. Uh, that's great. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting that when I was a kid, um, a pup named Scooby-Doo was not one of the Scooby-Doo's that I had an attachment with. Because for some reason, I'm a little bit younger than you, and when, it, when I was a kid, they did not play this one in reruns. Like, they would do the, new, the newer stuff and then the really old stuff. But for some reason, this and the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo never played on reruns. And, like, they were kind of hard to... Like, if you went to Walmart or whatever, they would have, you know, the big box sets of, like, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And uh, the Scrappy-Doo Show or whatever. But Pup Named Scooby-Doo is kind of hard to find, which I find interesting. Um, however, I did have a DVD with five episodes of a Pup Named Scooby-Doo on it. And this was one of the episodes that I had. Um, so I am very familiar with this episode. I watched it a lot when I was a kid. Um, it is very fun, is, for sure. I think it is something of, the pup named Scooby-Doo is something of, like, a black sheep of the Scooby-Doo family. Yeah. It, you, there's something about all of those. There was a time in cartoons where they were taking cartoon characters and, and redoing them as kids. Yeah. And some people yeah. loved it, and some people didn't. You have your Muppet Babies. Yeah. And you have your tiny tunes. Yeah. Uh, I I was always I was always game for that. For sure. I think this is probably the best of that um 
era of, of those those kinds of babyfying shows. But you're right, this is a outlier amongst the um amongst the the different iterations of Scooby Doo. Um both in the fact that, you know, obviously they're kids, but in the tone and the and uh the art style and everything, it's all very different um from the others. It always kind felt of, go ahead. Go ahead. It always felt like like it was a surprise that if we found it, it was on the Saturday morning TV block or you know, I think it was Cartoon Network reruns that we usually saw it in. Um, uh, but, you know, it was that time in TV where you didn't really know exactly when things were going to be on. It was kind yeah. of you watch TV when you watched TV and it was always so exciting when we caught a pup named Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a it's. It's definitely a blast. It's very fun, and 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 it has that great humor that's angled directly to kids, you know, and um, in a way that I think really works in its favor. Um, this was intended. The show itself was intended to be like a hard reboot, kind of, um, because they'd had you know Scooby Doo had been going on for a long time at this point. This was this show started in the late eighties, so Scooby Doo had been around for like twenty five years, and had grown pretty stale, so they wanted two things. They wanted to shake up the the formula, and they wanted to get as far away from Scrappy-Doo as they could. Those were like the two uh, things they set out to do with this. Which is so funny because you do have Scooby-Doo as a puppy, which is yeah. a little bit similar in a way to Scrappy-Doo, who was yeah. small. Yeah, it's true. Um and yeah, you know, and, and Scooby Doo has more agency in this show, I think. Like, you know, with the whole he's the one who sniffs out for clues or whatever, so he isn't a more of an active participant as opposed to just being a mascot. Um which, you know, not that not 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 that Scrappy wasn't a mascot, but he was interested in catching the ghosts, you know, and uh that's a good point. Look, I am on the record as being a Scrappy Doo apologist. Uh, I am, I am here for Scrappy Doo, uh, and and I, I think I think he's great, and he, I think he deserves some love. I agree. I think Scrappy's totally fine in moderation. <laughs> um, I think that ten straight years of his one note bit got pretty old. But to be fair, the rest of their bits had gotten old by that point as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. If they could find a way to keep it fresh, then then I'm all for it. You know, I don't think he needs to be he who must not be named or whatever at this point. <laughs> um, another um, another thing that is somewhat different, as we have noted here, is that this this episode is is split in two. Like it is like your classic kind of kids cartoon is uh, two eleven minute episodes that are that make up one 22-minute block, right? Um, which yeah, I that really appeals to the, yeah, to the kids' uh, attention span. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, it definitely, with the show as, as, as snappy as this, um, it definitely um, works in its benefit to just, you know, get in and get out. Because, like, the mystery is really not... Um, kind of the focus for a pup named Scooby-Doo. But 
um, a lot of them are still twenty-minute episodes. It's just they were they were toying around with with uh, splitting them up, especially later on in the season, as this is the start of the third season. They were they were messing around with the two and even three-part episodes. Um, so, what, um, another thing that is different about this show that I think works in its favor mostly is, with the exception of Shaggy and Scooby, all the voice actors are kids. Like, they're real kids. Um, and they just sound really cute, <laughs> to be honest with you. Especially... Yeah, they, good. they sound great. They look great. I think the look is really great. Yeah. The design is amazing. I mean, especially um, Velma. I mean, she's just the cutest oh. little thing in the world. I mean, just adorable. And I, I just, you know, you're in, you're in Coolsville, which is yeah. Yeah. a cool place. Absolutely. Um, they've got, they've got this tree house that's twenty stories tall that you take an elevator up to. Yeah, the tree house is great. I mean. Who, who doesn't want to be a part of this gang? Exactly, exactly. Um, the only thing that 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 annoys me now is the replacement of Fred, which is fine; it makes sense. But this is the only time, up in uh, other than the movie Scoob, in which Fred has not been voiced by Frank Welker, like. Since 1969, Frank Welker has voiced Fred in every TV show, every movie, every video game, every commercial. Like, he does it all. Um, and it makes sense why they would do him as a, why they would replace him with a kid. But in my opinion, if you're going to, if you're going to replace him, you should replace Casey Kasem as well um, for Shaggy. Yeah, there had to be a story there somewhere. Yeah, because they both had been, you know, there since the beginning. At, by this point, they'd already had like two or three different voice actors for Velma and Daphne. But um, you know, Casey Kasem and Frank Welker had were veterans at this point. But obviously, Casey Kasem's voice is uh, pitch shifted up to sound more like a child, which makes sense. Um, and I think, just in general, I'm, I'm not as fond of the fr- of the kid voicing Fred as I am as the two voicing Daphne and Velma. Personally. Well, Fred is is such a is such a difficult character. Yeah. I think they give Fred um a Freddy. He goes by Freddy in a pup named Scooby Doo. Yes. Yes. Um I, I think they give him some interesting character yeah. traits in a pup named which don't really carry on. It's true. It's to- true. Um I do appreciate it. Like, obviously, this is the first time they even attempted to give Fred and Daphne anything <laughs> other than just being, you know, the ones that leave for half of the episode. Like, they 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 lean into Daphne being the rich girl, which I think works a lot. Mm-hmm. In these two episodes that we watched, we didn't see Jenkins, who is a recurring character in Pup Named Scooby-Doo, her butler, but... um that was kind of that was a new bit that they came up with, which was she would call on her her butler to come in and, and right. He would materialize yeah, out of thin air exactly. And then Fred is kind of this uh, this this overly confident doofus who um, who is determined to solve the mystery but always gets it wrong. 
Yeah, which I th- I think is very it's it's very funny. I think you know also like as a young girl watching Scooby Doo, you have Fred. He's the leader of the group, right? But I think making him like you said a doofus, and he's wrong at the top of his voice with all this confidence. Yeah. That was very funny to me, you know. And, you know, Velma is the one who always solves the mystery. Right. You know, but Fred's the one who thinks he knows what he's talking about. Exactly. He's honestly kind of a, a toxic male, which is, I think, he mm-hmm. works very well in this because, you know, he's just, he's a loudmouth kid who doesn't, who's never been told any different. You know what I mean? He's never been sat down and said, actually, you're wrong, Fred. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Daphne but, um, can do that for him one day. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, they'll get there. They'll get there. Um, so let's go ahead and, and get into this. Um, this episode, as I said, is the start of season three. And it, I, something I like to do is I like to um, kind of give some background into the world at large as when the episode comes out. Because, you know, each week we're, we're we're jumping back and forth from series to series, so it's 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 good to place us in a time and place, right? So, this episode premiered September eighth, nineteen ninety, on ABC. And some other things that were going on in September of nineteen ninety, some stuff you might have seen in the news. Um, the first Pizza Hut opens in the Soviet Union after all these years. They're finally, wow. yeah, exactly. They're finally letting Western consumerism into uh, into the the communist, the formerly communist countries. <laughs> um, I think also like a, a week later, a Pizza Hut opened in uh, communist China as well. So like, you know, the cracks are starting to seep in. America's coming, and there's there's nothing more American than Pizza Hut. <laughs> um, <laughs> Also, the first episode of Law and Order premiered in September, which is that first iteration wow. still going on, or did it finally end like a couple years ago? I think, it, well, at least some iteration. Of yeah, it is I know. Still going I, on. I know, like SVU is still on, and will be until the day Can I you die. Imagine probably. if we still had a pup named Scooby Doo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a world. It is funny. It's it, it, in many ways, uh, you know. It, it's funny because like you have Scooby Doo. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. like Scooby Doo's been on for twice as long, but they have less episodes than Law and Order has because <laughs> they've just never stopped. Yeah, Scooby Doo's taking breaks and everything. Um, and then lastly, a five hundred pound Hershey's kiss is displayed in Times Square for a whole month. Who boy! Wow. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't you love to see that? Hope they bring it back one day. A simpler time. But other than that, um, let's go ahead and get started with Night of the Boogie Biker, which um, is a very fun episode because, as we've kind of alluded to, it plays entirely with the Fred dynamic in this show. So, right, this episode starts with Fred losing his mind, right? And yeah. just ac- accusing Red Herring, his arch nemesis. Yeah, um, we haven't mentioned Red Herring yet, but, but like kind of a running, Fred's running bit in this show. So he always thinks it's this 
neighborhood bully named Red Herring who is behind literally everything. Like he's he's accuses him of both being the uh, the man in the mask each week, but also you know stealing like a, a deck of playing cards or whatever that might be going missing or whatever. Um, and uh, in this episode, it's as you say, it starts with like everybody's everybody just wants to hang out, you know. And, and Red Herring as as a character name is very funny yeah it's something it's something that my my mom had to explain to us when we were kids why that was a joke um because you know kids don't know what a red herring is it's um, true necessarily but it's it's very that's funny yeah i mean i know i learned of a red herring from clue and then this right (laughs) like um yes i don't think absolutely like i don't think people really say it anymore you know like not since then have has it been that popular in the parlance? Uh, I think we should bring it back. You're right. You're right. You're right. That's a good idea. I'm going to start. I'm going to start bringing it back for sure. Um, but you know, like, just Fred won't shut up. Everyone just wants to hang out, and he's just stomping around the treehouse, being like, "Well, maybe Red took the uh, took your jacket, or maybe Red took your your sandwich, and then it's actually Scooby Doo who ate it, and all these things." So, um, being um, completely irrational and, exactly. and everybody's fed up with it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that not, like I said, not only does he accuse him of, of, you know, taking random things, but he also accuses him of eating Shaggy's tomato and peppermint pizza. And it's like, <laughs> come on, Fred, Freddy, you know, that no human being would ever eat a tomato <laughs> and peppermint pizza. And he's, he's just obsessed. Um, but you know, Daphne finally calls him out on it. She's like, "Come on, man, grow up. It's not red." And she uh, she dares him. She makes a, a bet with him that he can't last twenty four hours without accusing Red Herring of anything. Right. She plays into his toxic masculinity. She That's says, right. "Here we go." You know. That's right. You know, she's she's on it. She knows what she. She's fed up, and it's time for her to, to use her voice, and I think that's great. Good for you, Daphne. Stand up for yourself. Um, so, yeah, so she, she bets him that that he can't go 24 hours, and then immediately, like, seconds later, someone's throwing rocks in his treehouse, and it's all he can do but not um, accuse Red immediately of being the person throwing rocks. But it Which- isn't Red. It's it's his aunt. Yes. Uh, what is it? Uh, Hedda. Hedda Herring. Yeah, a totally normal human name that many people sure. have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, she she's upset because on the day before her birthday of all days, someone has stolen her bike. And once uh, Aunt, again, Aunt yeah. Hedda is a is a is a badass for yeah, sure for sure because Freddie once again. Being the toxic male asks her if it's one of those like bicycles with a butt bi- with a basket on it or whatever, because she's kind of an old lady, and she's yes. like, "No, dumbass, it's not. It's a, it's a rocking chopper and everything, you know." Um, yeah, she well, she she calls him a weenie, of course, right, because they're right. all weenies. Yeah. I mean, that's fair, you know. She got him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we get a picture of the chopper, and it's just beat up and and looks like garbage or whatever. Kind of a 
Yeah, just it's not a pretty sight. Right. And we I don't think we've mentioned that that they are actually the gang is an official uh, detective agency. Yes, they, yes, yes. They hire out their services. Yes. For, for cash money. People hire these children. That's right. That's to solve right. their mysteries. Yeah, it's your classic like you know, by now it's the late eighties, so we've gotten or we've gotten like, you know, your babysitters club and your um your like boxcar children, that sort of stuff is out by now and, and this is all the rage in you know, nineteen ninety. Yeah. And uh Absolutely. And Encyclopedia Brown, I think was one. Exactly. What was the other one? Yeah, all these kids are solving mysteries left and right. Yeah, for sure. I mean I know when I was a kid I loved those books. I always wanted to be that kind of a that kind of a kid, but Nobody ever had any mysteries for me. It's unfair. But yeah, so she, yeah, so she she hires them to uh, to try and find a bike. But there's a there's a very dark backstory. Yes, she already yes. has she already has a suspect in mind that it might be exactly. this boogie biker. And it's yeah. a really it's a very dark backstory. Yeah. So like apparently you know she used to be on the the off road biking circuit. You know she used to be a racer. And her arch rival was this so-called boogie biker. Um, like, I, I cool love name. that. I love, yeah, exactly. I love that when he was still like a human being, he was still called the boogie yes. biker. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Right, he but, didn't transform yeah. into the boogie biker at, as exactly. a ghost. He was always exactly. the boogie biker. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's, was it because was he a dancer? Did he was like did he boogie? You know, or was that's a good question? You know, it's spelled B O G G E Y. Which is curious, you know. Mm. <laughs> I guess mm. that's supposed to be like the boogeyman is kind of spelled that way, right? Okay, okay, sure. As it goes off of that, but you know, like apparently they were on this famous race, and the boogie biker took a shortcut through the desert and was never seen again. Dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, motorcycle uh, accidents are not uncommon. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, uh, but the, this is, the, the... maybe this is a cautionary tale. <laughs> <laughs> and the prize for winning. So she, sorry, sorry to Aunt Hedda, but she, she won by default at yeah, that point. Yeah. They were literally <laughs> the only two people in the race. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and the prize for winning the race was her bike. That yeah. Is now stolen. Yeah. They were racing for pinks, as you would say. You know, maybe. <laughs> yes. Because they were the only two people in the race. Maybe she murdered him. Wow. I hadn't like, even considered yeah. that. I didn't think of it until just now. But, like, nobody but nobody ever saw him again. But, like, she was the only person to see him leave, right? So. Right. Who, how would, she, who would, who would even else know that exactly. he took that shortcut? Exactly. Only, only her. Maybe, maybe she staged an accident. Like, she didn't, like, directly kill him. But she, like knew he would go for a shortcut and set up some, like, wily coyote trap for him. That Can I feels... say, Ethan, I've seen, I've seen this episode so many times, and I've never, it's never even occurred to me. Uh, look, and Hedda, I'm just saying. Well, you, know. you know, much like Fred, you're looking for the red, red herring here, Maggie. You might have to, we might have to reopen this cold case of exactly. the boogie biker. Exactly. I think it's, I think that's, that's important. Um, it, it could be law and order boogie biker. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But uh, the gang is, the gang is on the case. They've accepted the challenge that she's presented for them and they're going to go investigate. Um, 
Scooby Doo's gonna do, do do some sniffing for clues, and his his nose is going to transform into some sort of satellite dish. Worse, yeah, makes sense. Totally normal behavior, and uh, immediately the first clue we find is Red Herring's jacket, and just th- that's where the the beauty of this episode comes in. Is obviously it's going to be Red Herring, like. It's got to be red herring. It's got to be red herring. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. And poor Fred, poor Freddy, he just, he can't, he can't go with his instincts, which is to accuse this, this bully, you know, there's got to be some kind of, there's got to be some kind of a, uh, a backstory between those two, you know? Yes. They, you know, I, w- I will give this one to Freddy. Red is a bully. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> he looks the part. Uh, you know. As, as Freddy referred, calls him earlier, he has beady eyes, a nasty smirk, and then Red himself interrupts to say that he has bad breath as well. So it seems right. like a I real love, nasty character. I love those kind of... That's one of the things I love about those show is it's got that kind of campy humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, it breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, it's great. Yes. It's a great time. <laughs> um, so, you know, we find Red's jacket. Red shows up. He's like, what's up, Freddy? You think it was me, don't you? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, he's he's goading him in yeah. this moment. It's, Just it's, leaning it's into very... it. <laughs> it's great. It's a great dynamic. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, Freddy has to be like, no, I don't think it was you. So Red leaves. And then, you know, <laughs> Scooby goes back to sniffing and they follow some, some tracks to a, a bush. And who's in the bush but the boogie biker? Boogie biker. A so, pretty scary design, yeah, too. He's got yeah. like a whole suit. His design is very interesting. It's kind <laughs> of a mishmash of things because he's got skeleton arms, right? But not mm-hmm. as a skeleton face. Like he's got these two beady red eyes beneath like a a Roman centurion helmet kind of thing. Kind of like a suit of armor helmet. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you know, like your classic like like tin helmet with the with the single spike coming up at the top. Mm. Yeah. Not enough of a uh, I guess an anthropologist to know from which civilization that is, but it's 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 definitely ancient. But then his jacket is wild it's like a dilapidated fur coat kind of thing like it's it's very shaggy like not not like shaggy shaggy but like you know like it's like it's furry it's very it looks very hot well it looks both hot and i will say it also looks a little hot that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. He's got a, a cool point. look. He's got a cool look. For sure, for sure. And uh, he's also got the bike going on. It's it looks a little nicer than Aunt Hedda's, or yeah, Hedda and Hedda's bike. You know, it's 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 a little more clean. <laughs> yeah, it's had a paint. It's, this this has got a new paint job. It seems maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, they, you know, they go on. They go on a chase, and they do a great bit where they, uh, they, um, Fred and Daphne dress up as a pit crew, and they, uh, they, they set up the boogie biker 
for a, a race with with Velma and Scooby as the other racers, and their little get up is so stinking cute. I mean, gosh. Oh, Velma on the long motorized skateboard. Yeah, yeah, the helmet. <laughs> incredible, like, incredible. Yeah, she, she's like gritting her teeth. She's ready to roll, and it's it's so cute. It's so funny. Um, so they uh, they they you know they tricked the boogie biker into into going off ahead of them. So now they're they're good to go, and they find their second clue. Once again, belonging to Red Herring, it's some sort of a a wrench for for motor work that they have found left behind. Them. Ethan, I'm starting to think it might be Red Herring this time. Yeah, it might be, but it's just it can't be. It's never Red Herring. It's never. That's the thing. It's never Red Herring. Yeah. Yeah. Freddy obviously recognizes it as being Red Herring's wrench for whatever reason, but he can't accuse him. You know, he, maybe, he's sweating. Yeah, maybe the maybe the wrench was just left behind on, on a coincidence. Who knows? Uh, but we do get another suspect here. We're introduced right. to another character. We're introduced to Miss Winnie Bago. Miss Bago. Yeah, what a is is I don't know if that even counts as a joke, but it'll it'll do. You know, it's fine. <laughs> I guess it. <laughs> I guess in 1990 the stereotype was that people who drive Winnebagos hate motorcyclists. <laughs> it's a long-standing feud. Exactly, exactly, and, and it makes sense because Winnie Baker does not like uh, Aunt Hedda's motorcycle. Uh, right, it's too loud. Yeah, uh, which is fair. Totally fair complaint. Mm-hmm. You know, you're living in the suburbs. It's not very nice to be revving your motorcycle at 1 a.m., which I'm sure she's doing, you know. Um, um, and she even goes so far as to say, you know, I would have stole the bike if I could. Which, <gasps> yeah, I mean, that's incriminating. Yeah, exactly. That That's enough right now. We might as well arrest her. <laughs> um <laughs> So they uh, they go along and they they're you know Scooby Doo's going to do some sniffing again. They're following some more tracks and they come across a like a junkyard full of motor parts and all these you know dilapidated bikes and everything. But there's one bike that isn't you know junk. It's all souped up. It looks good as new. It's they recognize it as Aunt Hedda's bike and. They, uh, the bike now has a sidecar, which it didn't have before. Um, so they have another little chase scene, and uh, eventually the boogie biker crashes, and now it's time to unmask him. And everybody, except good old Freddy, thinks it's Winnie Bago. Look, I mean, she basically turned herself in. Yeah, she did. I mean, it was like 20, 20 seconds ago. You know, we've got, we, we, and then now here's the bike and here's the boogie biker. It's got to be Miss Winnie Bako. And, you know, Velma brings out her giant computer, which uh, is great. Great bit. It's great. Computer that, that pops out of like a, a briefcase. Yeah, yeah. Surely would be astronomically expensive in the year 1990. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it's bigger than than she is. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's huge. It's a, this is a supercomputer, without a doubt. I think it must have been an Apple. I think I think Velma's yeah. an Apple person. Yeah, that makes sense. She seems like an Apple person. Maybe Daphne bought it for her for her birthday. Oh, that would have been really nice. Yeah, yeah Daphne's a nice person when it comes down to it. You um, know what? Actually, I wonder. Maybe Velma built it herself. That very well could be. She's certainly a um, a Renaissance woman. I would say she's uh, she's handy in many ways. Um, but you know, she inputs all of the all the clues, all the evidence that we found so far, and it, it leads to only one possible suspect. She unmasks him, and it's Red Herring himself. Can you believe it? I can't. I really can't. And you know, every can't bl- time, yeah. exactly. Every exactly. time, Fred accuses Red Herring, and every time, it's never Red Herring. And then the mm-hmm. one time yep. that Fred can't accuse Red Herring, it is. It is. It's ain't, incredible. Ain't that just the way? <laughs> And, and, and Freddy, of course, is despondent. He's pounding the ground. He's like, I knew it. I knew it. You wouldn't let me, but I knew it. Um, <laughs> but You almost do feel bad for Freddy. You do. You almost do. But what's actually really sweet is, you know, Hedda's like, what the heck, you stupid nephew? Why did you steal my bike? And he's like, I didn't steal it. It's a birthday gift. I was I was souping it up for you for your birthday, and I thought he it's, was yeah. Go ahead, good. It's real. It's really quite sweet. Yeah. He added the sidecar so she could not. Interestingly enough, not so that she could like take her nephew around yeah. on <laughs> outings, but That's so that what she I thought could it was going to carry home her groceries. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it is very sweet, um, and you know. At this point, Freddie, you gotta really gotta cut your losses here, man. You gotta just just shut up and and, and walk away because you know <laughs> Red is really the the nice guy in this situation. <laughs> um, who knew Who knew Red had a had a real a real soft side? Well, that's why he dressed up as the as the boogie bikers because it, it it goes against his brand to be seen as a, a nice kid. Well, and these meddling kids, they were gonna. Give away the surprise, the birthday surprise. Yes, pretty screwed up, guys. I mean, that's cool. You don't mess up a birthday surprise. Um, but back at the uh, back at the the treehouse, um, Daphne is upset because her watch is gone, and who could have stolen that watch? <laughs> There's only one possible suspect. Yeah. So it so Fred, Freddie has clearly. Yeah. Clearly He's not been cured <laughs> of yeah. his of his habit, uh, but it's yeah. the only. This is the only time in the whole series that that it was red herring. It's true. It's true. It's. I mean, it's a it's a great idea for an episode. It really is. You know, we have our fun, but it's a great great idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So that's our halfway point here. That's the end of Night of the Boogie Biker. So it's time for a quick little quiz, Maggie. So the um the name of this segment is Sc- 
Scooby or not Scooby. And the way it works is I'm going to read you some titles, and you're going to have to tell me if they are either the title of an episode of Scooby-Doo or something else. And in honor of our beloved Velma on this uh, iteration of the show, I've decided to go with another girl detective. So the, the theme here is, is it an episode of Scooby-Doo or is it a Nancy Drew book? Okay, okay. And all these are from the original run of Nancy Drew. You know, not any like, I'm a, I'm a 1990s girl with a cell phone or whatever, and, you know, reboot they may have done at some point. This is all classic Nancy Drew. So, all right. for, first one, here we go. The Ghost of Blackwood Hall. Uh, Nancy Drew. That is a Nancy Drew. Um, I've got some synopsises for you in case you, you know, maybe want to check any of these out. The uh, premise of The Ghost of Blackwood Hall is Nancy Drew's jeweler. She is a jeweler. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, her jeweler's customer, Mrs. Putney, asked Nancy and her friends to help recover her stolen jewels. The search for the thieves takes Nancy, Bess, and George to New Orleans. Mrs. Putney's odd behavior and two young women involve Nancy in a case involving a cruel hoax being perpetrated at the abandoned Blackwood Hall. Sounds good. Next one is Disappearing Car Caper. Disappearing Car Caper. That sounds like a Scooby-Doo. That is... Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy are on a stakeout at Abbott's car lot to catch Pistons McGee, a car thief. The guys come to find out how he has been shrinking the cars with a shrinking ray gun and taking them back to his shop. But the guys accidentally get shrunk, too. Always happens. Incredible. Yeah. Mystery of Crocodile Island. Ooh, Scooby-Doo? That is a Nancy... Nancy responds to a friend's frantic call for help, and she and her father travel to Crocodile Island in Florida, of course, with Bess and George to study the reptiles and try to uncover a group of poachers. Upon arriving, the group is kidnapped, but they escape and uncover a sinister plot involving many unsuspecting victims. Many victims? Oh no. The secret of Shark Island. Scooby-Doo. Yeah, that's a Scooby-Doo. Um, <laughs> wait till you hear the burns of this one. While on their honeymoon, Sonny and Cher meet up with the gang at a rundown beach resort that is not what they expected. Along with the bad accommodation, there's a giant monster shark lurking around the resort grounds. I think I've seen this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, if you get a hotel at Shark Island, you can't complain when there's a shark on the island. It's right there in the name. Exactly. How about the mysterious mannequin? Mysterious mannequin. Nancy Drew? That is a Nancy. The strange disappearance of Carson Drew's Turkish client and a strange gift of an oriental rug encoded with a message woven in the decorative border start Nancy on a difficult search for a missing mannequin. But then... A robber tries to steal the rug from the Drew home. Nancy, Bess, George, Ned, Bert, Carson, and Dave travel to Istanbul to search for more clues. But then, Bess disappears during the search after the chums meet a young Turkish woman. I am sure that that 
book has held up perfectly and has no outdated stereotypes in it. Not not problematic at all. You know, Nancy's Nancy's going to Turkey. Who has this travel budget? I mean, Carson Drew. You know, he if, if she is a jeweler, you know that these these this family is pretty rich, right? <laughs> Gotta be. I hope she's giving her detective services pro bono. Yeah, for sure. The Sky Phantom. Scooby Doo. Nope, that's a Nancy. Wow. Nancy goes, yeah, exactly. Nancy goes to the Exolo Flying School in the Midwest while her friends, she's taking lessons while her friends, Bess and George, perfect their horse riding. So these two are the richest of the rich, like, white American elite, right? Like, she's going to flying school while her friends perfect their horse riding. Wow. (laughs) At once, the young sleuth is confronted with the mystery of a hijacked plane and a missing pilot. Then the rancher's prize pony, Major, is stolen. So Nancy becomes a detective in a plane and on horseback to track down the elusive Sky Phantom and the horse thief. That one sounds So many vehicles. The Haunted Candy Factory. That had... Ooh, I don't know. Scoobies love snacks, but... Uh, Scooby-Doo. That's a Scooby. Good work, good work. The kids come across a message and a key in a chocolate bar belonging to the Sugar Plum Candy Factory, recently brought by Cass Elliot, the singer from the Mamas and the Papas. When her watchman goes missing and green glob ghosts are on the loose, the kids find a ton of mysteries. (laughs) I think that Cass Elliot, like, died choking to death on food or something, so that's, um... Maybe don't don't show that one in reruns. It's <laughs> a little yikes. Okay, the haunted candy factory. How about the haunted bridge? That sounds like a Nancy Drew. You are correct. Nancy's father, Carson Drew, is on the trail of an international ring of jewel thieves and asks her to assist him in his pursuit. The trail leads to a summer resort area. Before Nancy has a chance to start work on her father's case, a golf caddy tells her a frightening tale. In the dense woods nearby is an old wooden footbridge guarded by a ghost. Intrigued by the caddy's story, Nancy decides to investigate. Okay, But you should also help your dad, Nancy. That's true, too. There's jewel thieves on the loose. Jewel thief probably more important than a ghost. Just saying. Last one, here we go. The Haunted Showboat. Oh, that sounds amazing. And like a Scooby-Doo? You are right. It's actually a trick question. It is both. There is both a a Nancy Drew and a Scooby-Doo episode that are called The Haunted Showboat. And from what I could tell reading on both of them, they seem to be fairly similar in plot. (laughs) And the Nancy Drew one came first, so, you know... Scooby, you got something to do here. You know, they go to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, but of course they get involved in a mystery involving an old showboat that is said to be haunted. Nancy then uncovers an imposter and searches for buried pirate gold. As you do. She gets up to a lot of uh, fun stuff. All right. That was the game. Um, you did all right. <laughs> About 50%. That's okay. That's okay. 
take it. The time has come for the second half. I just noticed right now that the first half of this is Night of the Boogie Biker, and the second half is Dawn of the Spooky Shuttle Scare. So they paired the titles together, which is kind of nice. I wonder if in-universe, in do you think this was like the one day? Could be. Um, I will say this episode, the Spooky Shuttle Scare, did appear to take place entirely in the nighttime. Um, but <laughs> maybe Don is a, used in the figurative sense here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the, the episode opens and the gang has been granted a tour of the Coolsville Space Center. Now, <laughs> this uh, this town is a lot larger than I thought it was. If they have their very own space station, <laughs> I mean, they're launching space shuttles into yeah, space yeah. from cool. It's, it's a yeah. full-on space shuttle. Like it's not, you know, it's not like they're they have like a satellite dish and they're just looking up at the stars or whatever. This is like a full-on government operation. Um. Why these five kids are getting a tour in the middle of the night is without their parents is a little peculiar, but you know, whatever. I guess it's a busy place, you know. You don't want kids running Look, around during the day. Velma's a VIP. It's true. It's true. It's true. This is a that they're escort. They're especially invited because Velma has. An experiment that is getting to go on the space shuttle. This is is honestly incredible. Velma's so excited, and I've never been more proud of her. She is. Um, she, yeah, yeah. It, she's so so cute in her excitement. I mean, the the little girl who does Velma's voice does such a great job. It's amazing. What do you think of her? I, go ahead. Go ahead. I, you know, Velma's, we talked about her computer. We talked about her, her motorized skateboard. We've seen so many incredible inventions and smarts come out of Velma. And yet the invention that (laughs) seems to have been chosen out of a very, you know, vigorous selection process. Yeah. Competitive field. Absolutely. To go to space. Um, is uh, I I don't know I I it does it doesn't seem to me to be Velma's best work. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the experiment in question is to test whether or not microwavable Scooby snacks will cook in outer space. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you say, you know, Velma's been working on this uh this project for her whole life we get a flashback to her as a baby and baby velma somehow even cuter than regular velma i mean she's just absolutely adorable um but now we're we learn that not only are they getting a tour of the airfield but they also are getting a tour of the space shuttle itself like they get to go on board this thing and um Freddy, stupid Freddy, is all excited because there might be Martians on board. Um, and obviously this scares Scooby and Shaggy. They're not into it. Um, and, you know, Daphne's like, don't worry, guys. There's nothing to worry about. Uh, Daphne, there might be. 
There might be somebody hiding on board this space shuttle. You don't know. But what would be the odds of that? Well, Daphne's prepared to get get the guys on board. She not only has Scooby Snacks. Yes. Scooby Snacks is enough for Scooby. Shaggy's still not sure. Yeah. And she says, would you do it for a Shaggy Snack? Yeah. She has an individual box. Yes. Uh, Which I just thought was this this is hysterical yeah it's I mean, too uh, funny what's great about it is that she, you know she tosses them to us and we can see that they look to be exactly the same yeah it's still dog food she just put it in a different box because daphne is resourceful and knows how to win one over on these stupid boys that she's always hanging around with yeah she's she's the brains behind this operation she's making the engine run yeah 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 Certainly paying for the gas. <laughs> and, <you know. laughs> um, so they go up on the space shuttle and we agreed it to our monster for this episode. They call it an astronaut ghost. And it is clearly an astronaut ghost who also inexplicably is a cowboy. <laughs> this is a space cowboy. And I let me tell you, I love it. It, it, it. It's a it's a it's a bold choice. It's a wild choice. It's a fun choice. Um, what I would have loved was some sort of an elaborate backstory about like you know there was some some rugged astronaut in the seventies who you know refused to take off his cowboy hat before going into space, and then you know maybe the, <laughs> the space shuttle exploded or something. <laughs> And, Maybe a tie-in to the Clint Eastwood movie Space yeah, Cowboys. Exactly, exactly. You know, this predates that. So, Clint. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you know, pay all got to some the, explaining the, to do. Yeah, yeah, the writers of a pop named Scooby-Doo. Um, have you seen Space Cowboys, Maggie? I don't think I actually have. I think I just have the, the image of all yeah. those craggy old men the looking longingly is... into space. The image is so funny. It's so much better than the movie itself. Like, I watched it a couple months ago because I was like, Space Cowboys, it's got to be good, right? Like, right. Old, old man cowboys or, or astronauts going up there to get stuff done. And that part of the movie is fun, but, like, it's like an over two-hour movie and at least 90 minutes of it is related to, is dedicated to how these old guys are still really horny. <laughs> Like most of it takes place on Earth, and it's about them trying to, you know, get some or whatever. And it's like, what are we doing here? The I space think I cliff. always assumed it was more like um, Armageddon, where it's like yeah. we need cowboys to go to space. You know, yeah. like we need oil drillers to go to space. Hey, it makes sense, and no one can ever say that Armageddon does not make sense. That it's absolutely uh, not not a single hole to be found in that plot. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, maybe this astronaut ghost, uh, you know, they don't give us a backstory, but look, uh, you know, that's part of the part of the beauty of this is, is it's uh, open to our imaginations. Yeah, I mean, he's wearing he's wearing the full spacesuit, but he's got also got a little cowboy hat and a sheriff's badge. And he he talks like a cowboy. It's all very fun. Um, and he's he, another thing is he's able to float off of the ground. Which, because he's a ghost, Ethan. Exactly. I don't oh. know if you missed it. It's a ghost. Of course he's floating. Only a ghost can do that. Can float. There's no such thing as floating on Earth. Otherwise he would be an astronaut. 
instead exactly. of an astronaut ghost. Yeah. It's a great point, Mackie. I, I retract my previous statement. You're right. You're right. Um, so they do a very funny bit where Shaggy and Scooby, uh, you know, they run away from the ghost and they, they get in an argument over um, who is more afraid. <laughs> and it's, it's a very funny bit because, like, you know, anytime that they do this bit where, like, in the middle of running away from the monster, they stop to have, like, an argument or, or talk something out. And the, and the ghost waits for them. I always think it's very funny. Yeah, um, it always hits. It's yeah, it, it always hits. Never fails to hit. Um, something I took a note of at this moment, however, is I watched this on Boomerang, and I had the subtitles on. And while Scooby is pushing his way in front of Shaggy, the subtitles on the Boomerang streaming app said that Scooby says, "Hey." Get the hell out of my way. <laughs> Which wow. is not what he says. I rewound it and like closed my eyes and listened. He's like, no, you get out of my way or something like that. You know, but obviously he has the the, the Scooby intonation, so it's hard to understand him, but like, wow. <laughs> that is quite the uh, quite the leap by whoever was the caption artist for this episode to, to just slot that in there. But you know that's incredible. If they were uh, the kid, it would be offended by Scooby Doo saying "hell." He probably w- is not old enough to be able to read the subtitles anyway. This was but also my my favorite gag of the episode was when uh, they finally realized that you know they've been arguing too long, and the ghost has caught up with them and is waiting for them, and their skeletons literally yeah. leave their bodies out of fright. It's great. It's great. That's what's great about Pop Dame Scooby Doo is they really lean into the cartoon physics of it all. It's it's great. It's great. Um, so they get away from the the astronaut ghost, and Scooby winds up like wedged up inside a a, a rocket uh, fuselage thing, and uh, he comes out with some blind goo all over him. And Freddy, of course, he's always right. Know it all, Freddy. Um, says that. Oh, well, Scooby has contaminated alien juice on him. Of course. What? Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> what is contaminated alien juice, Freddy? And do you have prior experience with this? Well, Freddy is, a, is also, he's like a, a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, yeah. In other true. episodes, he's like, you know, reading all of these things about Bigfoot. Yeah. And yeah, so maybe he does. Right. You know, maybe Fred, Freddy grows up to be Fox Mulder. I mean, that's the most logical um, lo- most logical place for this character to go. Yeah, uh, a, a pup named Scooby-Doo all grown up. Yeah, That'd be exactly, great. Exactly. Um, um, so, yeah, so, but it's not contaminated alien, alien juice, Freddy. You, you dumb piece of shit. It's actually just shoe polish. Um, <laughs> a lot of shoe polish. An unbelievable amount of shoe polish, <laughs> but it is shoe <laughs> polish, as, as uh, Velma points out. Um, and, you know, Velma is just very sad. She's very sad. Because, you know, obviously there being an astronaut ghost means that the space shuttle's not going to take off, and she does. she's done the calculations, and the conditions won't be right to microwave Scooby Snacks in outer space again until 2047. 
Is, well, it's it's in the it's in the handbook that the NASA handbook. Yeah. That if there's a ghost mm -hmm. uh, infiltration on your space station, then you have to cancel the launch. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. That just makes sense. It That's just, just safety sense. precautions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Happened to Apollo Eleven, uh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Um, Postponed. Did you see the thing? I was going around Twitter yesterday of the lady who said that horror movies can't be set in space. No. <laughs> this was a this was a, a big to-do over on film Twitter to date this oh, episode. No. Is this this lady who's like a like she's got like a she's verified, so she's like, you know, an actual journalist or whatever. She made the very bold claim that you can't it can't be a horror movie if it is set in space because horror is all about the fear of the unknown and space is already unknown. Huh. Okay. Um, well, I'm sure this has been litigated extensively on Twitter. Yes, it definitely was. She's clearly never met an astronaut ghost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she's, um, She's behaving like a real Freddy in this situation, I think. Yeah. To be honest with you, but you know, well she needs a Daphne in her life. <laughs> um, but you know, back on track, we've you know we, we now have established the stakes, and we meet our next character, who is a cowboy, a literal uh, not a cowboy astronaut, just a cowboy, um, whose name is Billy Bob Joe Bob Harris. And he is naturally upset because he owns a farm directly next door to the space shuttle, and the space shuttle launches keep freaking out his cows. Understandably, this poor yeah. cow. Very totally, cute cow. totally valid complaint. Um, uh, this this Billy Bob Joe Bob uh, uh, joke. Uh, it, you you do kind of get a sense of maybe what the uh, writers might think of uh, Southern folk. Yeah, yeah. It's Street a little, folk. Um, <laughs> definitely a little biased, I would say. Yeah. Um, and because this Billy Bob, he's an idiot because he establishes that he has a new business, which is selling souvenirs of space shuttles to, um, to tourists. Um, but he wants the space shuttle plant to go away, and it's like, dude, you got it made in the shape with each other. Yeah, yeah, you got two businesses here right now. I mean, they're not launching rockets every day, so the rest of the time your cows can be hanging out, and then you can be selling the the, the space shuttle toys on the side, and you got double the income, dude. Space shuttle goes away, you're back to just being a farmer. He needs to, he needs to, you know, sort out his priorities. I think. It's the thing. I don't know if you noticed. I don't know if you noticed this though, Ethan. Billy Bob, Joe Bob, wearing cowboy boots, True. just like astronaut ghost. ghost. Yeah, and he's he talks in a southern accent, just like the astronaut ghost. I don't know. I think he goes on the list of suspects. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, he's number one on my suspect list. He sounds like him. He looks like him. I mean. All the police right now. Um, but uh, but you know we are now after this we're introduced to another possible suspect who is immediately um, 
you know, removed from the suspect list because he says that he wouldn't do it, right? Um, okay. We meet Simon Simonson, who is a NASA scientist who was also in the running for the, uh, the make an experiment to go into space contest, as I'm sure many people were. Um, and his experiment was that he has invented anti-gravity boots. Yeah, it doesn't seem as, uh, I, I mean, anti-gravity boots, fine. Who hasn't, who among us has not at one point or another invented anti-gravity boots? Yeah, Is that I mean, really as impressive as finding out whether we can cook goopy snacks in space? Come on, Simon. No. No. I mean, the Russians have sent dogs up into space. Those dogs are going to want to eat some Scooby snacks. And everybody knows that the microwavable variety tastes better hot. You know? You know? You have to keep our astronauts full of Scooby snacks. Exactly. Exactly. I'm sure they don't go bad. You know? They're probably the perfect treat for them. Um, But, you know, but but, um, Daphne or, or... Freddie or one of them, you know, says, "Well, you must be pretty disappointed that you know you don't get to put your boots on the on the shuttle." And he's like, "Ah, don't worry about it. I'm not worried. So we can cross him off the list." He says he he says he doesn't hold a grudge. Yeah, and we can trust him on that, right? Yeah. Um, he, nope. And he goes off to uh, polish his boots with boot polish. Yeah, as you do. I mean, you want your gra- anti gravity boots to be very shiny. You want to be able to see your reflection in them. As we all do. Um, Velma, once again, is sad. My heart just breaks every time. It's so sad. <laughs> um, and they do some more investigating because, you know, Scooby and Shaggy are like, let's get out of here. But whenever they see their friend is, is sad, they're, they even they admit that they're going to continue the investigation. And... Uh, Scooby does some sniffing, and they come across their final clue, which is a scientific formula that's on the ground. Explain that. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Billy Bob Joe Bob Harris is, a, uh, is also a mathematician on the side. Could be. Makes sense. Um, they run away from the ghost again. The ghost grabs hold of Scooby-Doo and says, Get along, little doggy. Very, very funny. Made a note wrote, get along little doggy, very funny. <laughs> there was a great gag, I don't remember if it was the first chase scene or the second chase scene, uh, where uh, Scooby and Shaggy uh, dress up like security guards or something, yeah. and and uh, they they make a sign, they say, oh, sorry, you know, there's you know, there's no ghosts allowed on the space station, unfortunately. And the yeah. ghost like looks all sad and forlorn and kind of turns around and walks away. I mean, that'd be sad too. I was a ghost and I wasn't allowed on space shuttle. Space shuttles are pretty cool. And then, you know, quickly realizes, oh, wait, that's not a thing. And then continues to chase. Great bit. Always a great bit. Always a great bit. Um, Scooby-Doo accidentally takes off one of the ghost's boots. And, you know, he gets, he's like all wrapped up in it. And he accidentally hits a button. And now he's flying all over the place. Um, But, you know, ghosts also need buttons to fly. So make a note of that. Um, you know, mm. that makes oh, sense. I don't know. Yeah, right? Do yeah, they? yeah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, it's gotta okay. be. Uh, yeah. So he's, you know, zigzagging all over the place and, and, and crashes into the ghost and, and 
now they've apprehended him. And, um, you know, time to solve the case. Velma gets out her big old... It's time for the unmasking. This is the big... Everybody assumes it's Billy Bob Joe Bob Harris because he sounds exactly like the ghost and he wears cowboy boots. But... Gotta be. Velma inputs all the data. She has the shoe polish, which we saw Simon Simonson using. And the... The scientific formula, which it turns out is the solution for anti-gravity, so it must be Simon Simonson. Wow. Did not see that coming. Yeah. They do a very great bit, which is somewhat recurring on Pup Named Scooby-Doo, where they come to a special announcement, and it's like a, a TV news guy, and he goes, yeah, welcome to the news, Simon Simonson, oh my gosh, or whatever. Very funny. I like it. Um, I bet. You know, whenever, whenever, earlier in the episode, whenever Simon Simonson says that he has invented anti-gravity boots, what I assume upon hearing that is that they would be some sort of boots that would allow for astronauts to walk normally in zero G's. Oh, interesting. That's what I thought it would be. But I, I misunderstood as, as the episode went on. I was like, oh, yeah, the ghost is floating. Obviously, those are the boots. So this guy has created something that breaks the laws of physics, right? Like, like create something that allows you to propel, like, anti-polarity magnets or whatever. Like, just, like, push yourself off of any surface. Pretty insane invention. Pretty crazy. Well, and now that they have the formula, do you think the gang, like, you know, you can... Yeah, yeah. You can, are you going to take that formula? Are you going to do something with it? Maybe, Even if you uh, don't use it, you can patent it for a lot of money. Yeah, seriously. No. But, um, saying. but again, not as important as the, uh, the Scooby Snack thing. You can... Anti gravity boot fly all day long, but if you don't sure. have a Scooby snack to come home to at the end of the day, I was, as we've established, um, you could do it on Earth. Um, so why do we need to see how it's done in space? We don't know if the Scooby snacks can be microwaved in space, so we got to see that. Honestly, I can understand now why Simon Simonson's uh, experiment was rejected because uh, there's already no gravity in space. Yeah, these boots. Um, it seems to be very helpful. Yeah. In fact, I think they would be uh, anti-productive. They're just boots now in space. What's the point? He, he needs to know what he's got on his hands before he, uh, you know, starts protesting like this. But that's the episode, Maggie. That's the end of it. Um, pretty fun. Before we rank these two little segments, um, we are going to play another little game. This one also has a very silly name. This one is called Jinkies or Stinky. And the uh, premise of this game is that each week I do some research and find six little stories or facts that relate to a topic in the episode. So this time around, and I, I looked up outlandish stories relating to motorcycles, okay? 
And some of them will be true and some of them will be false. I made them up. So the ones that are real are jinkies and the ones that I came up with are stinkies. So it's up to you to tell me if what I'm telling you is real life or I made it up. Okay? All right. All right. Here we go. So here we go. Sylvester Howard Roper was an American inventor and pioneer who dabbled in early automotive. He invented many steam-powered contraptions, including an automobile, a steam-powered shotgun, and the first-ever motorcycle. In 1896, he was showing off the latest model of his steam-powered velocipede. He topped out at 40 miles an hour, clocking a two-minute mile only promptly fall off at the end, landing on his head and immediately dying. Is that a true story, or did I make it up? Wow. Steam-powered shotgun sounds very ill-conceived. Yes, not a good idea, I don't think. <laughs> I'm going to go stinkies. No, that's true, I'm afraid. Um, I couldn't oh. find any pictures or diagrams of the shotgun. Seemed, that's the craziest part to me, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess... He died doing what he loves, I suppose. (laughs) IP. Yeah, for real. The most insane motorcycle race in the country is the off-road Mojave Death Race in Stagecoach, Nevada. The goal of the race is to drive your motorcycle the 300-mile distance from Stagecoach to Mercury, Nevada on a single tank of gas. Drivers are expected to avoid roads entirely, driving completely through the desert. They are allowed to make whatever modifications they want to their bikes, and in the 30-year history of the race, only 17 people have ever com- successfully completed it. Is that a jinky what? or a stinky? Uh, jinkies? That's fake. I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, good thing I didn't show up to Nevada with yeah, my for real, for definite real. bike. It's been all year, you know, I'm, like redesigning your motorcycle only for nobody to be there famed gonzo journalist hunter s thompson spent an extended period of time with biker club the hell's angels among the many things he documented in his time with the with the biker gang was the club's revolting initiation ceremony New recruits to the gang stripped off their clothes and were baptized in excrement. Buckets of human waste were poured onto their naked heads, and then other members of the gang would stomp it into your skin. Is that one real or is that one fake? (laughs) Oh my god, I don't know if I'm like not sure if the ceremony was true or if Huntress Thompson was really a Hell's Angel. He wasn't, Uh, he was not a Hell's Angel, he was just allowed to travel with them. Okay, okay. He was was writing a book about them, and they allowed him to go with them. Okay, so jinkies? Yes, that's true. That's true. I will say, um, some some Hell's Angel called him a liar about that, but he did... He he published this in his book, and, you know, he's supposedly a reputable source, so, you know, who's to say? I I don't want to slander Hunter S. Thompson. Exactly. Or the Hell's Angels, for that matter. Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) uh, If they did do it, I'm sure they don't do it anymore, because that sounds disgusting. (laughs) But who knows? Whatever. Here we go. Evil Knievel 
the most famous motorcycle stuntman of all time, was at the height of his popularity in 1971. Having already jumped over the fountains in front of Caesar's Palace, as well as several other outlandish stunts, including jumping a box of rattlesnakes and a mountain lion, Knievel's life story was adapted into a film, starring George Hamilton as the eponymous stuntman. Knievel was so anxious about the movie betraying him in a positive light that he held up Hamilton at gunpoint and forced him to read the entire script. Hamilton, of course, obliged, and in the end, Knievel was satisfied. The movie went on to receive terrible reviews. Stinkies? Nope, that's true. That's true. It's true? He was apparently very drunk when he did this, but yeah, that is wow. true. Wow. need to read up more about Evil Knievel. He's a crazy guy. He really is. This next one is related to Evil Knievel as well. On March 5th, 1978... Bobby Gundren, a 13-year-old boy from Ohio, watched Evil Knievel on ABC's Wide World of Sports and was inspired to perform a jump of his own. While his parents were at work, he created a makeshift ramp out of plywood he got from the garage. His goal was to jump his father's Harley-Davidson over a lit barbecue grill. His house had a large backyard and he gave himself plenty of runway, which allowed him to get up to 50 miles per hour before hitting the ramp at a jaunty angle. He and the bike went flying in different directions. Bobby broke 11 bones, including both of his arms, but ultimately was okay. The bike, however, knocked over the barbecue grill, and the backyard caught on fire, completely burning down his mom's potting shed before the fire truck could arrive. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Stinkies? Yeah, it's a stinky, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure there were plenty of people who were uh, horribly... uh, Inspired to do terrible things. For sure. Okay, this is the last one. You ready? Here we go. One of the most recognizable motorcycles in pop culture is the Batcycle, with the Robin Sidecar from the 60s Batman TV show. Much like the iconic Batmobile from the show, the Batcycle was a real vehicle that was constructed for the filming and sold at an auction in 1991 for $2 million. The man who bought it kept it on display in his living room and never drove it, although he did convert the sidecar into an icebox that he used to chill his beer. <laughs> I hope that's true. That's amazing. I'm going to go jinkies. That's it. That one's fake, I'm afraid. Oh, man. It would be very cool. I would like to do that if I ever get rich enough to buy the Bat Cycle. That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, but that's game, <laughs> Maggie. All we have left to do is to rank this episode on our tier list, our official heavy metal tier list. And I'm thinking we should rank the segments separately. I'm going to make that call now, and we'll do that for any episodes in the future that are in two parts. Um, so let's do Night of the Boogie Biker first. So there are five tiers. Okay. So starting from the bottom is the Rut Row tier. That's for the absolute worst episodes that might be offensive or just unbelievably stupid and you would never ever see yourself watching it again the scooby dumb tier is one up from that episodes that we think are kind of stupid a waste of time but they're not you know like absolutely the worst middle of the road is called just another mystery that's for just another mystery you know it's like it follows the formula it's a class it's just another scooby-doo episode but it's not bad it just doesn't do anything special 
The groovy tier is one up from that. That's for episodes we like a lot that are a lot of fun, but are you know maybe are not good enough to be preserved in the canon. And the canon is the top tier, the golden scoop tier, and the very best of the best, the absolute most classic episodes. So what are we thinking for Night of the Boogie Biker? God, Night of the Boogie Biker for me, and like I said, you know, I talk to my brother when I talk to my mom, I talk about Scooby-Doo, like this episode comes up all the time. The yeah. one time Freddie always thought it was red herring and it was never red herring, except that one time that it was red herring. Yeah. I think it's so emblematic of everything yeah. that pup named Scooby-Doo is trying to do. If you're going to pick one episode of A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, sort of um, canonize or represent a lot of the, yeah. of the feeling of the show and the tone of the show and all the characterizations, I think it's just such a good presentation. I'd like, I would love as you know, a resident up named Scooby-Doo fan to give Night of the Bookie Biker um, groovy score. So you want it in groovy, not the top, not the very top, or do you want it in the top? Which one would you prefer? Groovy is the second from the top. Is the second. Golden well, Scoob is the top. Golden Scoob. I mean, I would love to, I would love to, yeah, to give it a Golden Scoob. I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, this, you know, it I is. I want to overstep. No, I think you're right because this, this goes beyond your typical pop name Scooby-Doo, right? Like it, it plays with the formula. It subverts it. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun lampooning the Fred character and it's got a lot of great jokes. It's a class. It's great. I think you're right. I think that when, if we're going to put a pop name Scooby-Doo episode in the top, we should put that one in there. I think you're right. Um, Cause I'm, I'm guessing maybe not many pop. There might only be, one pup named Scooby-Doo episode that makes it all the way up there. Yeah, there might you be know? like one or two others. I have. I need to watch the whole show again. You know, like I haven't seen it in a long time. But there are probably one or two others that are. Yeah, I would. I would love. Yeah. I would love if if a few more make it up there. But if one is going to make it, it's yeah. going to be this one. I think. Um, I so. agree. With you. I agree with you on that. Um, so then we got Dawn of the Spooky Shuttle Scare. I don't know about you, but I don't think this one is as good as Night of the Boogie Bike. <laughs> Yeah, um, probably probably not golden uh, golden scoop on this one. Yeah, uh, but it's still very fun. So what do you? It was, a, think? it was a really fun fun watch. Like we said, you know, some great bits, some bits that are occurring. Um, uh, I would probably say uh, it's another mystery. That was the the, yeah, the sort of middle of the road as well. Yeah, just because uh, it, it, it's fun. It's definitely worth watching. Just it's fun. Like, it's a fun watch. It's a romp. Um, but that's not the episode that you have remembered since you were a child, right? You, you, you and I both I, forgot that this was a two-part episode. We thought we were just going to sit down and watch. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but I, but um, I was but I was it was a it was a pleasant fun yes. treat to be able to get a, a little extra a little Absolutely. extra pup in there. Absolutely. And I mean, speaking of pleasant fun treats, Maggie, uh, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh my god, this was a blast. Um, 
I've been singing the the, the theme song all day, getting yeah. getting hyped for this. Yeah, it's gonna be stuck in my head for weeks. Just <laughs> just an absolute joy having you on. Um, are there any anything you want to plug? Any social media? Anything you want the people to know? Um, particularly. Okay. Um, I hope cool. people had a good time. Uh, you know, you can. Uh, uh, you can see me on Letterboxd. That's probably my most, uh, um, my my biggest uh, social media presence. Where you're the most online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I try to stay uh, off the grid. It's smart and fair. What is, uh, what's that letterbox so people can follow? You? Uh, that letterboxd is Maggie G. Great. Great. I highly recommend following her. She's she's got a great letterbox presence. Very much, very fun, very fun follow. Um, you oh, can follow. You. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Brundine. You can follow the show at Heavy Metal Pod. If you liked the show, please rate us on whatever podcast app you use and subscribe if you want to hear more fun little ventures into the history of scooby-doo and thank you all so much for listening thanks once again to maggie grossman for joining me this week and for all you meddling kids out there please remember to stay groovy